The Oklahoma Sooners offered an edge with elite production. We'll talk about it on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Homer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. The show is at Locked On Sooners. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen. We're your team every day. Josh, the Oklahoma Sooners still looking for some defensive line help. Recently offered Albany edge rusher Anton Junkaj, Junkaj uh, the very, very productive pass rusher. 15 sacks in 2023 does that do anything for you yeah i would say 15 sacks does uh 21 and a half tackles for loss what uh 28 and a half tackles for loss over the last two years and 19 and a half sacks so a ton of production obviously albany is not oklahoma but would would it pique your interest at all if i told you that jared verse started his career at albany before transferring to Florida State and morphing himself into a first-round NFL draft pick, it, it would uh, intrigue me quite quite much. Like, and and when Josh says he would have been, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. He would have been a first-round draft pick in the 2023 NFL draft, but also came back for another year as well. So this is a guy that's got uh, some some uh, some pretty good. Uh, uh, traits to him some really good production to him he's got a nice little lineage albany all of a sudden apparently knows how to produce some really good pass rushers and it's intriguing because okay oklahoma at edge you'd think they were pretty solid right with ethan downs adipoja adabare r mason thomas and then the guys that are incoming nigel smith and wyatt gilmore but and, and danny okoye excuse me do not let me forget danny okoye but it seems like, okay, they want to add more juice. They want to add more production. They they need some help because that was an area of this defense that was inconsistent, that wasn't good enough. The pass rush. They didn't have enough pass rush productivity. There were games where, okay, they were getting pressure even if they weren't getting sacks. But then there were some games where they just were not getting much pressure. So I, I'm on board with the, with the Sooners defensive staff like saying, hey, listen, it's still an issue. We got to continue to address it. We got to continue to add productive players at the position. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can rush a passer and not always get home with a quarterback sack. You can have a couple quarterback hurries here and there. TFLs obviously are good. There's multiple ways, right, to say that the pass rush was effective. And the number one way is, is it leading to turnovers? And yet, the statistical numbers, John, are pretty clear on Oklahoma. They, they didn't get home very much in 2023. Their sack numbers collectively, what was it, 110th nationally for Oklahoma, just 19 sacks. So not nearly good enough in that department. Obviously, we feel good about some of the young talent 
at edge and uh, you know, the folks coming in, in this signing class, we were pretty excited about that group, but if you could go out and find somebody again, this is what we've talked about with a number of the names out of the transfer portal for Oklahoma. If you can go find me a Franklin, a Burks, a Malone, a Brown, a sharp folks that have played college football that could come in and help supplement a position group, then uh, I'm all for it. Even if said individual said individual comes over from Albany. So I'm not going to sit here and tonight say that Oklahoma, if they get this eventual commitment and potential signing, John, that uh, this is going to radically morph Oklahoma's edge rush group. I can't go there yet. Right. I mean, it is still somebody that's getting offered from Albany, but I, I am excited about the idea of adding a little bit of experience into a room that, Again, just in terms of strictly sack numbers, was not great a season ago. Yeah, and and you're getting a guy that's going to be, you know, has played a lot of football at Albany. He still has the one year of eligibility remaining, but he had 58 total pressures last year. Yeah, 15 sacks, but he pressured the quarterback 58 times, according to Pro Football Focus. He had a pass rush win rate of 11.3%. So the dude was was getting after it, and I, I got to imagine that they're not you know, throwing the football a ton at some of those levels of college football. But if you can get him and add him to the mix, it just gives you another piece potentially with dynamic ability that can, that can help you and, and create a rotation. Obviously a lot of this pass rush help that you want to be successful comes from guys that you've recruited and developed in PJ Atabare and our Mason Thomas. But for those guys for PJ, okay. Physically, you got to take the next step. Mentally, got to take the next step. Our Mason Thomas, you got to get healthy, man. You got to stay healthy all offseason so that you can develop and then be a productive member of the rotation next year. Uh, the younger guys, okay, I, I'm not, you know, who knows if they're going to be able to come in and, and be effective parts of the rotation right away, but you can't necessarily doubt it based on some of the things that you see. But yeah, you can you can afford to add some help along the defensive line. It wouldn't surprise me to see them continue to look at the interior defensive line, even though we've got a really nice uh, group of guys coming in in the 2024 signing class and returning uh, for another year with the Sooners. You could still probably use some some help, at least of a, a veteran standpoint there. Sure. Lacey and Terry, you know, good news for Oklahoma. But uh, if you can add a, another experienced season name would be a welcome side. So th this is, uh, this is, I, I guess the first uh, public offer, right. That we've really seen defensive line McClellan, uh, right. I guess would be the, the other name that sort of we've been on the watch for in, in terms of folks, you know, entering the, the transfer portal. So this, uh, this would be a nice addition for Oklahoma. I think, like you said, across the board, at defensive end at the interior. If you could add a couple of names, probably we're going to see Oklahoma do that. So there hadn't been a flurry of activity for Oklahoma along the defensive line, at least in terms of what we've had as reported offers. One other little piece here on uh, Anton Junkaj, the, the Razorbacks, the Aggies, uh, that's Arkansas and Texas A&M were in the mix with reported offers. So again, we, we say with players that aren't really from, right a power five level or someone we're familiar with follow the offer sheet and again not just the statistical numbers that we've shared but the offer sheet indicates that it's not just oklahoma's coaching staff john at the power five level that's saying okay here's somebody that potentially we project can help us yeah and again 
Also, I, I'm fully on board with trust the eval too. If the Oklahoma Sooners believe this is a dude that can come in and help them, who am I to question Brent Venables on defensive evaluation? So I think this is a very intriguing potential option for the Sooners. Hopefully they're able to, to land him and, and add him to their defensive line front defensive uh, line rotation. Uh, but Oklahoma's got a big time matchup on the hardwood coming on Wednesday night against the UNC Tar Heels in Charlotte, North Carolina in the Jumpman Invitational. We got Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels and Locked On College Basketball joining the show for a Locked On crossover to get you ready for OU and UNC coming up after the break. Today's episode brought to us by FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather starts getting colder, starts getting a little frostier, the NFL offers, oh, they stay red stinking hot at FanDuel Sportsbook. Why is that? That's because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. So one $5 money line bet, you win. You pick your team, $150 in bonus bets for new customers if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, that means there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app, it's super easy to use, wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and enjoy this NFL season as it continues to heat up here late. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. What better way to get ready for the Jumpman Invitational than having Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels and Locked On College Basketball <laughs> with me, Locked On Sooners John Williams, to discuss a big-time top 15 matchup on the hardwood between Oklahoma and USC and Charlotte. Isaac, what's going on, man? You excited for this matchup? I'm very excited for it, John. It's funny, in real time, we're recording this as our women's basketball teams are playing uh, on uh, the, the Tuesday night games. And I'm just hoping that we don't have to come after a double overtime game like what happened tonight with uh, Michigan and Florida men going to double OT. Yeah, that would make for a really late night <laughs> tip off already, especially for uh, for you East Coast folks. But uh, it, it's going to be a really, really good game. The UNC Tar Heels already off to a really good start in the season. Yeah, they've got three losses on the season, but you look at who it's to in Villanova. <laughs> in Kentucky and a, a top five, you know, another top five team as well. And I mean, they're a battle tested yeah. program, UConn. Thank you. They're a battle tested program in the non-conference. And this is really Oklahoma's toughest test to date. Yeah. It's, it's funny, John. I was actually looking at that earlier today where like at, at Ken Palm, um, Carolina's non-conference strength of schedule is 17 and Oklahoma's is 335. And so that's like the big dichotomy right now is, like Oklahoma has had these sh like strong, but not elite competition games. Like as we talk, Providence right now is beating Marquette. That's a team that Oklahoma beat this year, you know? And so we got some of those wins, but um, you know, meanwhile, North Carolina has played, I think it's like four top 50 Ken Palm teams at this point. And so I I'm curious to see, cause to my eye test, I think Oklahoma is legit. It's just that we haven't seen it you know, in an elite level battle like this is going to be. So I'm super stoked for it. Yeah, it really is coming down to that because you've got good wins over Providence, over USC, over Iowa. And and this is a team that's looked really, really good against really, really poor competition. You know, have got <laughs> several 30 point wins, a bunch of 20 point wins. 
but they haven't played anybody to the caliber of UNC. So what's been different for the Tar Heels this year? Because last year was kind of a really, really down year by <laughs> North Carolina standards, and that's probably putting it mildly. <laughs> but they're off to a much better start in year three of Hubert Davis. 100%. First, I got to say, I was thinking in my head as you were talking about beating USC, uh, I know that has to feel sweet. I know yeah. it's not football, but it's like, in some way, it's like, what up, Lincoln Riley? We're killing yeah. your basketball team. Uh, so, John, uh, that's a great question. A lot of last year's issues were North Carolina's preseason expectations that people set that I think were unrealistic, to be quite frank with you, because there was that run in the latter third of the season before that, and it was like North Carolina caught fire with that. Last year, four of those five starters were back, but the problem is, as Oklahoma fans will know all too well, the guy that left after that was Brady Manick, who was a big part of that run in terms of like being a leader, holding people accountable, and things of that nature. Last year's North Carolina team didn't have that type of player, and that was unfortunate that he was the piece that was gone. And so things started to fall apart. Um, there was Caleb Love, who's now at Arizona, that was a very inefficient shooter and player. When he was on, is great. When he wasn't, not as much. Now, he and R.J. Davis aren't sharing the backcourt. It's more R.J. Davis's, whereas Elliot Cadeau is the other player in the backcourt, true freshman, where he is more of a true point guard instead of he, uh, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis kind of fighting over who's the leader of the backcourt. And, and it matters. You know, yes, you can have multiple guards that can you know fill up the basket and score, but you also have to have the guy that's just the true facilitator for your yeah. team. Yeah. And, and is and is willing to kind of play off and play quote unquote second fiddle to the score right. on your roster. Just you got to have complementary pieces to you. And 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 that's kind of what has has worked so well for Oklahoma this year, mm -hmm. is it's a group of guys that have really fit well together, a lot of transfer portal additions, but everybody's kind of willing to share the load and, and not demand the basketball in their hands. Uh you know, throughout the game. I mean, they've got, you know, eight guys that are averaging seven or more points per game, that's you know, right. three guys averaging more than double figures. And, and so I think that's going to be what makes for a really, really big time, you know, matchup between Oklahoma and UNC is just a, a plethora of talent that goes beyond just one or two names, you know, for, for UNC, who are kind of some of the names that, okay, past RJ Davis, past Cadeau that people need to be on the lookout for that, you know, Oklahoma fans aren't going to be familiar with necessarily. Sure. Armando Baycott is the preseason like ACC first team player, uh, a guy that is Carolina's all time leading rebounder, Carolina's all time leader in double doubles, things of that nature. He's a fifth year player, one of those guys that took advantage of that COVID eligibility. Um, and interestingly, he had Carolina's last game was against Kentucky and he had a very subpar game by his standards, nine and six. And so Carolina fans are looking for a big rebound quite literally and figuratively from him. Um, and so that's a big name. The other two uh, starters, one is Harrison Ingram, who's a transfer from Stanford. He's a little bit of a point forward type. He'll be playing the small ball four, so he'll be the power forward. Um, and Carolina will utilize him because he's a thick guy. So they'll often utilize him. They'll clear it out for him and allow him to facilitate out of making his own post-up move. So that's something to be on the lookout for. And then the guy at small forward is Cormac Ryan, who's a transfer from Notre Dame. He's a 6'5 guy um, that has, has kind of struggled with his shot, um, chiefly because of an ankle injury he suffered in the Villanova game. 
But after Carolina had a long layoff right before that Kentucky game, and he had his breakout in that game, scored 20 points. And so those those are the other two starters that you're kind of looking for in that. And so I, I'm expecting big things out of Cormac Ryan, out of Harrison Ingram as well um, to, to look at that. And probably Cormac Ryan will be on OA. And so that, that'll be a critical matchup, I think, in this game. Yeah, and figuring out how Oklahoma is going to be able to attack UNC, what would have been some of the areas of quote-unquote weakness, so to speak? Again, the three losses that they have, they're really quote-unquote quality losses right. for sure. the Tar Heels. They're, they're not dropping games to teams that they might not should. But where have teams been able to find some success against them? It's funny, John, because typically North Carolina under Roy Williams uh, famously was a very strong rebounding team. One of the things that Carolina uh, hasn't done at the same level in the Hubert Davis era, this is year three, just like it's year three for Oklahoma under Porter Moser, um, is has not been that same level of rebounding team. So Kentucky out-rebounded the Tar Heels by 10 on Saturday, including I think it was 13 offensive rebounds, many of which were at critical moments. So that's something to keep an eye on. Carolina needs to get to the free throw line. They are making more free throws in total this season than their opponents are taking. And so that'll be a critical thing to watch in the games. Uh, and, and I say that to say, uh, I was kind of looking at some of the data, some of the math and in the games where Carolina has attempted seven or more free throws than their opponent, they're seven and up in the three games where they've attempted six or fewer free throws than their opponent, they are 0 and three. So that's a critical thing to watch is the free throw line game between these two teams. We're going to get more from Isaac shade of locked on Tar Heels and locked on college basketball here coming up after the break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than 1 billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels and Locked On College Basketball. I'm John Williams of Locked On Sooners, getting you ready for Jumpman Invitational Men's Edition Ooh. between OU and UNC. The Oklahoma Sooners have never beaten North Carolina. This looks like the team that might be able to pull it off. It's a it's an athletic team. It's a fast team. They try to maximize the game, having as many possessions as possible. The two teams are averaging about the same amount of points per game. I mean, they're both really efficient scoring offenses. For Oklahoma, so much about this game is can they get to the rim? Wow. Because they've not been a great three-pointing, three-point shooting team. They're really, really good inside the arc, but you know, getting to the basket is going to be their bread and butter. How is that going to be possible for the Sooners against the Tar Heels? That's going to be a big key to the game for Oklahoma. For UNC, what are they going to have to do? to try and combat Oklahoma's defense, which has been much improved because of improved athleticism, improved right. team speed. 
That's a really interesting question, John, because w- when you look at the offense and defense for both of these teams, it's like Oklahoma's biggest strength is on the defensive side where Carolina's biggest strength is offense. And then it's flip-flop. The teams, both teams' uh, weakness, which they're both like top 50 defensive ef- or uh, efficiency, Oklahoma offense, Carolina defense um, at Ken Palm, but those numbers are both lower. And so I, I think it's going to be really interesting at because high-level game when we're looking at the the Oklahoma defense Carolina offense and then it's going to be who who can win on that other side where both teams aren't as efficient with Carolina's defense and Oklahoma's offense so that's almost the more intriguing side of the court to me is will Carolina be able to stop things you know there's no real like critical rim protection threat that Carolina has so if Oklahoma is able to get to the rim a lot as you're talking about John that's that's going to be an issue for the Tar Heels um where they are doing better when they're able to force a lot of threes and and keep guys outside the arc. So that'll be an interesting uh, angle on this game for sure. Yeah, because Oklahoma will shoot threes. They're just not very good at it. Like Porter Mosier's offenses, they get open three-point looks. That's just the nature of the offense over the last three years. They just haven't had efficient three-point shooting. So the key for Oklahoma is going to be, okay, don't settle into those three-point attempts. If UNC's given them to you, you know, still attack the rim because that's where they've been the most effective for the Tar Heels. Like, what are they going to do to attack Oklahoma's defense? Because it, that's where they've been really, really good, especially Otega away. He's been fantastic at the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. Well, RJ Davis is the man that that is the engine that kind of makes this thing go. 26 or more points in five straight games, John. And um, so he is a, a undersized guard. Like, think, uh, let me give you a big 12 name from last year. Think Marquis Noel, kind of an undersized guard, but just can kind of do what he wants, gets where he wants, um, and, and to be able to do that. And that's offset by Armando Baycott in the interior, who we talked about earlier. I think Elliot Cadeau being a pass first point guard is going to really work um, to get the ball inside, often where it seems like Carolina has uh, at least a little bit of a front court advantage. Um, um, and so I, I think Carolina will attack there utilize that to then open up some of that three-point shooting. So that's kind of what I'm looking for to see Carolina doing offensively. How are they going to bounce back from, you know, two losses in a row? I mean, it's it's still tough games, tough matchups, top sure. 15 that's opponents right. that they faced. But what's the mentality of the team coming off of the two losses? That's a great question. That that UConn team, folks, if you have not watched UConn this year, you got to go check out one of their games. This this is a team absolutely capable of defending their national championship from last year. And so that was a game where Carolina, they lost by 11, and I felt good about it because it's like, you know, like that's just how good UConn is. Um, and then with Kentucky, you do leave that game with a sour taste in your mouth because there were things that Carolina didn't do that they characteristically do that should have won them the game. And so I'm looking for a team that is very hungry. Um, Carolina fans know, Oklahoma fans might not know that on Sunday, Eric Montross, who is one of the uh, most known Carolina players of all time, the leading scorer on the 93 national championship team, passed away from cancer. And so that's that's another um, kind of emotional part of this game is how does that factor in along with having lost the night before. And so on the Carolina side of things, I I think that um, is a critical question is how do they bounce back? How do they respond from that? Because if you lose this game, if you're Carolina, 
that's three losses in a row. Although, as you said, John, to teams that are this week, all top 10 in the nation. And so I, I, th- I think that's a critical thing. Whereas from Oklahoma, you know, I've kind of been laughing about it a little bit. So for Carolina, obviously we're basketball first, football second. So anytime Carolina is good at football or seemingly good at football, it's like, is this real? And then you lose like four games down the stretch. And so I was kind of laughing with somebody earlier this week. It's like Oklahoma's probably in that opposite side of what we usually feel where it's like football first. And right now, Oklahoma fans are like, are we legit good right now? Is this happening? You know, and like until you get into games like this and then Big 12 play, which was a gauntlet as always, then you really start to figure out uh, how legitimately good Porter Moser's third team in Oklahoma is. We feel so close to being able to say that this is a a really, really good team. And and I think probably 99% of Oklahoma fans are there. This is a really good team how are they going to respond to tests like North Carolina, which is going to simulate, you know, the, the biggest competition that they've had to date, but also playing against a Kansas in, you know, Allen Fieldhouse, playing against Baylor, playing against Houston, Houston, you know, now. Yeah, a, exactly. <laughs> a deep, deep, you know, um, roster of big 12 teams. Okay. North Carolina, that that's, it's a big measuring stick game. You know, North Carolina is a blue blood in basketball. They're an elite program. It's it's like when Alabama comes to Norman next year in college football. It's like fun. It's the same kind of thing. Oklahoma's going to Charlotte. Yes, this is quote unquote a neutral site game. It's a North Carolina game in North Carolina. It's going to be a big time crowd in a big time environment. How does Oklahoma respond to that? I mean, that. I think everybody's really curious to watch, you know, everybody has reasonable expectations. Like, yes, North Carolina is a really, really good basketball team. Oklahoma, we feel like is a really good basketball team and how they respond to the atmosphere, to the test that North Carolina is, you know, to being 10 and 0 and now being a top eight program in both the coaches poll and the AP poll. All of it is something that everybody's really excited to watch and, and find out. I think everybody expects this team to to be really good regardless of this result. But man, we're we're really intrigued, man. We're really intrigued about can can they go and pull off this upset? Cuz even though Oklahoma's the higher seed, I think everybody in Norman and probably in college basketball would assume this would be an upset if Oklahoma were to go into Charlotte and beat the Tar Heels. I think so. And John, you're you're so true with like, yeah, okay, this is a neutral site game. Well, one of these teams is traveling like 140 miles. The other team's traveling, I looked it up earlier, it's like 1,091 miles from Norman to Charlotte. So yeah. it's like, okay, neutral site, sure, okay. Uh, so we got to factor that in somehow. John, what do you think it is this year? Because, you know, Oklahoma, the first two years under Porter Moser has been Okay, you know, right around 500. What is it that's been that leap this year that's really allowed things to take off? Well, I think it's a couple things. It's one of the things we talked about earlier. It's a kind of a, a team humility and dynamic that just allowing everybody to to succeed and letting everybody thrive. They're they're committed defensively. They want to be really really good defensively. And I think what they're realizing is because of that their athleticism and their team speed, they can get up and down the floor. That's right. They can attack the rim. They don't have to settle for jump shots, which was a bit of an issue. Yes, they had guys that could create their own shot and get to the lane, but they didn't seem to have enough guys that could do that. Mm-hmm. Now they've got guys, Javion McCollum, Otega Owe, Miles Uzan, and then John Hughley is, is much like the, 
the power forward you're talking about as well. A guy that can, he can get the ball at the top of the key and he can create his own shot, get into the lane and get to the basket. So they've got a good group of transfers that they've added. Uh, and then you've got, you know, a dart hard and a, a, just a number of dudes that are playing really, really good ball, but also wanting to play really, really good ball on both ends of the floor. And I think that's the key is this is just a, a more complete team. You know, you don't have a lot of defensive liabilities and you have guys that can create their own shot and aren't having to settle for threes, which was, I think was, which was the biggest issue is you couldn't get into the lane consistently enough in the first two years of Porter Mosier's time. And so you're having to settle for a lot of three point shots, a lot of them open that you weren't consistent enough to hit. And even some that weren't were contested shots and you just weren't good enough in that facet of the game. Now it, it seems like everything's just kind of come together to create a team that, okay, they can pass the ball, they can dribble, they can penetrate, and they can finish at the rim. Yeah. Much like you know the, the, the Austin Reeves year when they last went to the NCAA tournament, the, the thing that made that team so good is they could get to the basket yeah. led by Austin Reeves. <laughs> yes, th- shooting three points, you know, shooting three pointers is key in college basketball. The teams that are able to hit them efficiently are really, really good. But if you're not efficient at it, don't don't shoot 23s don't shoot 25 threes which i think in the first two years of the porta Mosier era was a big big issue all right you have you have another question here go ahead ready ready to get into kind of final thoughts for this game yes john let's do it all right so i think oklahoma keeps this close but i don't know if they're quite ready to pick up this kind of a win. And as soon as I say that they're going to go in and they're going to upset North Carolina and I'm going to look like the idiot, but I really do think this is going to be one of those games that comes down to, you know, the final few possessions in the final two minutes. And it's like a five to seven point win for the Tar Heels. It's kind of where I'm looking at as far as a score goes. Well, I think it could be a high scoring game because Oklahoma wants to get up and down the floor. They want to maximize possessions. They don't want to you know, drain the shot clock. Yep. And I and I kind of hope they keep that mentality yep. as opposed to going into what's going to be a hostile environment and then trying to take the air out of the ball. No, just keep playing your game for better or for worse and see how it how it holds up against a really, really good Tar Heels team. Yeah, and what's wild, John, is, is that should hold true for both of these teams because North Carolina's uh, average possession length and adjusted tempo are even faster than Oklahoma's. And so I'm with you. I think it's going to be an up and down game. But for some reason, I I keep feeling like this game is going to be a little lower scoring than I expect. And I don't know what it is, if it's just like like mother's intuition kind of thing. But um, you said that five to seven point gap. My prediction on Locked on Tar Heels on on our full Wednesday show was 75-70 Tar Heels. And so I like that's lower scoring than I feel like it will actually be. But uh, I got to go with it because I'm feeling it. It's that intuition. And uh, we'll see what happens. Should be an electric game. Same as you said earlier. I'm really curious about this game because I'm very. I think both of these teams are legit, and I'm excited to see what could be a kind of March Madness atmosphere take place tonight. Yeah, it's great, and we get it on a Wednesday night, so that's going to be fantastic. Going to have all eyes of college basketball on it. That's right. Go follow Isaac on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Go check him out on the Locked On Tar Heels and Locked On College Basketball podcast with Andy Patton as well. Follow me at John Nine Williams, and the show is at Locked On Sooners. Subscribe to both shows, all three shows, really, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. So hit the subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But for Isaac Shade, I'm John Williams. Talk to you next time. Enjoy the Wednesday March Madness preview. Have a great week.